coaches. Welcome back to the Coaches Rising podcast. This is an updated version of podcast number 17 with David Trelevin. And I love this conversation with David. Today, we're going to explore how we can work magic with our clients, or at least what might seem like magic to them. How can we as coaches learn to attune to and read our clients' embodiment and then bring that back into the coaching conversation to facilitate transformation? That's what we're going to explore today. And we'll also be looking at how we can support our clients to embody their deepest commitments by working with their embodiment. So David is one of our most highly rated teachers. He's a coach, a writer, and an educator working at the intersection of mindfulness and trauma. And he's the author of the best-selling trauma-sensitive mindfulness, which has been endorsed by people like Tara Brack and Rick Hansen. All right, let's dive in. So David, super cool to be with you today. I'm really excited to dive in to this topic of embodied transformation, but how's things with you? It's been good. It's been really full. Uh, This book that I wrote came out a month and a half ago and um, really looking at the intersection of stress and attention. Uh, And that's been my research for the last 15 years. So it's nice to be, Mm. I've been in my apartment for the last three years writing and it's so, it's so nice to be out in the world and talking to people. And um, I'm just really excited about the, this coaching, Coaches Rising program and what we're going to get into. So nice. also fired up to be here. Yeah, you just mentioned the program. You're going to be one of the faculty on the power of embodied transformation. Um, it's great to be bringing that back online. Maybe we can touch more into that a bit later. And um, you're in the cool treehouse as well right now, overlooking San Francisco. Is that right? I am. Yeah, I've been here for about 10 years, 10 years. It's actually, can I tell you a little bit about, I think that might lead in, like I, I, so I was originally trained as a psychotherapist and um, this gets to why embodied transformation. And I was, what I found was when I was working with my clients, just because they had an insight about what wasn't working for them, it didn't necessarily mean that they could take different actions under pressure. Their, Their lives weren't fundamentally changing. And that's what actually brought me down here is I was really in search of modalities that could help people make really powerful moves that were lasting for them around transformation. Uh, and that's how I landed in the Bay and that's how I got into somatics. So that was my, and that's why I stayed here in the, in the U S mm. yeah. What, what did you discover when you, when you got into the Bay area? Was there like, um, you know, I know you train with the Strozzi Institute as well, but like, did you discover things that allowed you to make that kind of transformation? Yeah, I went, I went head first. <laughs> there's, a lot to, there's a lot to go into that. No, yeah, you know, the Bay, I was, there's so much rich history here. And for folks that know California, there's this institute called Esalen Institute, which is three mm. hours south. And just this, just so many decades of people pushing the edges of both how far can we go? What's, what, what will cause us to open? And so I went, I was like, all right, mom, I'll see you in a couple of years. I'll be back. And I just went for it here in California. And so I explored a lot of different modalities, including um, holotropic breath work for mm. folks that know that's Stanislav yeah. Grof. Um, I was doing a program, a lot around embodiment and uh, dance. I was just doing everything I could because there was so much here in the Bay that got me excited. And the thing that I learned is just because I was having openings it didn't actually translate into my life changing. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
Yeah, so I do, I do holotropic breath work and I could have an emotion and catharsis and I thought, wow, that was fantastic. I really let go and I opened. And yet the week later, all my usual habits and contractions really came back, even though I was doing you know, good therapy. And so that's, that was the doorway for me is how, how does change happen for clients that we work with and how can change be lasting? Uh, and that's, that's the question that I'm still in a lot these days. Yeah. Well, what was missing then? You know, you said you'd have these, you know, powerful experiences and then you end up back in similar patterns. What was missing that maybe you include more now? It's, that's, that's such a good question. It feels <laughs> like that's, that's the question, right? Is, and I think that's the question we'll be in on this course is what, what makes for great coaching? What makes for great transformational work? Really, really at the end of the day. And my, I get into this a lot in the book, actually, but my assessment of what was missing were two things. One was working with the body in a, in a particular way. And the second thing was something around what called integration. And I talk about that in the book. And this actually, this kind of explodes us into a lot of different domains. So let mm -hmm. me know where you want to go. But this really gets to the intersection of all research around trauma, around coaching and transformative work, around psychotherapy. There's so much here. Mm. But um, basically, my, my sense is there's a sweet spot that's, that people and systems can go through to change. Mm. And if it's too much, then no one changes. And if it's too little, it's boring. So, so I'll, I'll give you an example right now. So you and I are in this conversation. We just, we're just connecting here. And if I was to just rattle on for the next eight minutes about, you know, this idea and that, and da, 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 then it's too much, right? Like we can't actually, you and I can't connect and it's the conversation won't be transformative. If, if I really was just kind of dead and boring and wasn't offering much information, that's too little. And no, and people will ch check out. And so there's a sweet spot, and this is, gets to, this is in systems theory and it's in trauma therapy, that there's a band in the middle where if you are going through a personal transformative experience in that band, then you can integrate it. And it actually changes your life. And this gets also into neuroscience and what happens in the brain. So I'm touching on a lot of points, but I'd mm. say in coach, coaching has to be a combination it has to be in a certain sweet spot of between too much and too little. And that that is a very, very dynamic process and one that we learn over years. There's no formula to it. And I'm, so I'm most interested as coaches is how do we find what is the sweet spot for anyone we're working with in any given moment? Cause it's really hard to find. And I'm kind of curious how you think about it in terms of in, with coaches rising about like, does that relate for you about, or, or does that translate it all over into the coaching work that you've been doing? Yeah, absolutely. It does. Yeah, I think um, it, attunement, you know, and, and being able to um, to sense into um, are you in the right place? Um, and, you know, that for me can reveal like sometimes it's exactly what you're saying. You know, it's like I'm, I'm talking with someone and the, and the conversation just feels a bit lifeless or, or dead. 
And then um, there are other times when it's like we've maybe pushed in quite deep and, and you know, there's a new insight, something's a new shift, you know, in, in, in an embodied way. And you don't need to push further, you know, because if you did, you're, you're going to overcook it. So in a way, it's that in that moment, it's knowing when to let things simmer and, and begin to integrate more, you know. Yeah. So, so I like where you go with this because it is pointing towards how, you know, we need to be doing the work as coaches to be able to, to, to you know, gauge and sense in and see the openings and know when to take the foot off the gas and all these things. So, oh, can yeah. I ask you, I, I don't want to flip the tables too much, but I want to ask you a question about that. Yeah, sure. Um, that I want to be in together is how, wh- what are you assessing in the moments about what's too much and too little? And is that something that you think is teachable? Mm. Great question. Great question. And I'll answer it with you. I just, that's something yeah. I'm really curious about. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, in a way it's pointing towards the topic of our conversation about embodiment. It's, it's like there's, a, there's something I'm tuning into which is more than just the words that someone's saying and it's not just a conceptual conversation but there's a kind of life to the conversation or an energy and a life to the person that I'm speaking to. And so I can start to... Um, you know, refine my faculties and, 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 um, and, and feel that, you know, and feel, feel that inside of them. And so it becomes kind of um, an intuitive intelligence or faculty of, um, you know, knowing when, when we're on that sweet spot. You know, I like that. In fact, that's funny. I just came to that place that you said it's a sweet spot. Yeah. In a sense, it's like, oh, and you know it when it's there because it's like, oh, now we're in the right place, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this is the this is that's the core of somatic coaching, as I experience it, is that we are we are constantly tracking through cues, somatic cues, physical cues, and that we can train ourselves. That is not magic. And I think other people that aren't versed in coaching or new to coaching think, how did you know? to either back, like what you said, not overcook it, back off. How did you know to turn left or right? And on, from the outside, I think to a new observer, that can seem magical, but actually it really is what you said, I think, about attuning deeply, tracking the body, and it's something that we can both learn and practice over time. And it's all these things. It's not an idea. It's actually a fundamental embodied experience when we know oh, something, something in my gut tells me I should back off or something tells me I need to lean in here and ask a hard question. Mm-hmm. So I'm fascinated by how, how we can actually empower coaches mm-hmm. to, to really get that skill because I think if you have it in your toolkit, your coaching, just you up level, you go to a whole other level of what you can offer people and they don't know what you're doing all mm-hmm. the time, but I think that the, there's real pay dirt there. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, when I've worked with coaches who are also masterful in that way, that's what I want from my coach, you know, it's like, um, it creates a shift in my way of being, you know, that feeling of like, oh, something just shifted, I see something I didn't before, or a new kind of, um, a new capacity just came online that wasn't there before. And, you know, we've got enough information, it's all out there. That's not coaches, you know, people don't need more information, we need this kind of 
shift that we're talking about right now. That's what we're looking for. Totally. And I think that that is such a fundamental moment in a coaching relationship. And it's, it's the, it's, it is the moment that I I've seen clients go, Oh, I'm what you just said. It's, it's, it's where we shift from just being empathic and caring, which is powerful. And, and for those, it's not an easy skill, but you know, we're following and Oh yeah, we're empathizing. But the moment that we take a risk and actually go, can I tell you what I see? Mm. And ground it in the body or ground it in what we're feeling. I, that's, it's the moment where we get someone's attention and they go, oh, wow, I'm with someone who's going to take risks and I'm going to get, I'm getting something that I wouldn't just get through someone who isn't trained. I, I really think that's a key moment and it gets people's attention if you do it well, I think. So mm. I'm, I'm really interested in those moments too. So, t- yeah, tell me, and, and, and what I like just to say is what I'm noticing is um, there's a sweet connection. There's a sweet spot here right now, you know, that I'm feeling connecting to you. I feel really alive. I feel like there's a collaboration because of the way that you brought yourself to this conversation and, and um, you know, pointed out the way that we can connect. Mm. So, yeah. I have that too. And that's, that is, it gets, it actually brings me back to the first ever clinical supervisor I had. Uh, and he said, if you are bored in a session, then in all likelihood they are too, <laughs> you know? And I, that was, I was like, Oh, Whoa. I, I figured if I was listening, then I was doing something, but they said, no, no, in all likelihood, they're just repeating their story. And I have the same feeling connecting with you. I think, Oh, there's, aliveness and there's a synergy and so i'd say that's what's one of the things in in coaching is being able to track internally what makes you excited alive and if you're bored with a client that is important information and you know we can get to this is a whole other conversation but i think there can be moments actually to share that with clients and go you know i just noticed I don't feel a lot of aliveness in our connection. I wonder what that's about. Can we be in that together? So at a, at a technical level, if I can just go here for a second, yeah, th- right. this is, and we'll talk about this in the course is this is a combination of what we call interoceptive and extraoceptive sensations. And um, this will be fun to get into on the course, but interoceptive sensations, or they're called interoceptors are nerves that relate to what's happening inside our bodies. Whereas extraoceptors or, or, Extraceptive sensations or extraceptors are the nerves that relate to our five senses of what's happening outside our bodies. And so we are constantly navigating the world using both. We're both feeling what's happening inside and then we're also tracking what's happening outside. And we're doing this with clients all the time. So with you, you know, I'm talking to you, I can see your face, you feel warm and kind and that, and I notice inside, I feel safe and energized and so we're doing this dance between each other. And ideally, these are all going together. Where things can go awry is when they're not working together in, in a certain way. So for example, I was working with a client who said they often felt really unsafe and anxious. They came in, they just said, I, I have a great life, but I feel really crappy inside. And when, when they would go in and feel their bodies, their stomach was churning, their eyes were tight. But they would look around and they go, I know I'm safe. I know I should be really happy, but inside 
my, my body isn't telling me that. And so there was an incongruence between those two things. Mm. So a lot of somatic coaching is helping people work with those two and try to get them together and then make, make choices and actions that really help line those up. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that's all I got. How, how's that? <laughs> Great. Nice. <laughs> nice. Well, I was going to ask you what might be going on for that client, you know, where they're, you know, their internal experience isn't aligned with what's going on for them. Could you, could you speak more about that? Does that relate to, to perhaps the trauma or, I mean, at least their conditioning, maybe you could unpack that part. Yeah, no, it's, it's this, this gets us into the deep end. Mm. Uh, and yes, this relates to trauma. And I'd say it actually really relates to anyone, all of us, anyone who has or hasn't experienced trauma, but that has been a particular focus for me. Um, I'm going to be doing a module on, on what we call condition tendency. And in our work inside of the Strozzi Institute and somatic um, coaching, we talk about condition tendency as the thing that really took care of us. Uh, it's our, it's our automatic response under pressure. It's our mm-hmm. automatic response. So, you know, it's all good until it's not. And then, and then life happens. And that over the course of our lives, we will shape ourselves somatically to take care of safety, belonging, and dignity. All these ways in our families and our communities. And so when we're sitting down with a client, and you, you know, you'd know this, that the first five minutes of meeting someone, they're revealing all their history. It's all there. Mm-hmm. Even though, even before they've talked about anything, their body is telling us all their stories, all the ways that, 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 they made moves to take care of themselves over and over. So in, in somatic coaching, we are, we're working in this territory of how did you get shaped in your life and what does that A, take care of, but B, what is it also, what's the cost of it? Mm-hmm. What, is it what does it limit? So that's, that's a first pass, but it's, it's a place that, I don't know, do you find that, I find that inevitably in coaching, we land there. We land on the places where people got hurt or the places where they're shamed or they're holding back against life. Like I feel like coaching event, good coaching, it just eventually leads itself to what we call condition tendency. Do you have any, any thoughts on that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I completely agree that, um, you know, you can give people strategies and tools and, um, but if you just, if you just layer that over the top of this condition tendency, um, you know, it's, it's just that it's just a, a strategy and tool, which isn't sustainable. Um, and so it's actually, yeah, it's about going deep into these, um, this conditioning, you know, and for me, that's where this idea about coaching therapy, um, where's the line becomes a bit more interesting because, you know, I get that we, we, we have to maybe be a bit careful about the way we work you know, where we go with our clients and inevitably, I agree, you end up in these places and that's where the powerful work can take place. I totally agreed. And it is a fine line. It is a fine line that we need to balance. Mm. I have a story that, um, that I think could reflect this, this arc and then that, that balance of, mm. um, of working at coaching and therapy and that I, that I think would illuminate what we're up to inside of somatic coaching if you're open to it. Yeah. So I was working with a woman, uh, a woman who was uh, actually a CEO. 
CEO and a team and I was doing some executive and, and somatic coaching with her. And we were actually doing some work with their team. And what, what she said, the team and her came together and they said, under pressure, what happens is she becomes a monster. She was just this huge driver. She was someone that under pressure, she would just boss people around. She wasn't collaborative. She was really hard to work for. And she knew it and they knew it. And they all got together and she said, I really want to shift this. I'm going to do some coaching. I really want to learn how to change this. And just because I think I want to, it doesn't mean I can actually do it. So we got together. We started to do some coaching. And what she found, so she said, this, what I want to do is become a more collaborative leader. That, that was her kind of her mm. true north. And for the first four months, when we, would, when we would do coaching, either by Skype or sometimes in person, is she'd say, it is so profoundly uncomfortable for me to not do that thing. And she said that when she was in a meeting and she, did, she wanted to drive, but she didn't, she would start to feel uncomfortable and she'd get, kind of her throat would get tight and her stomach would get churning. And so to change, this is obvious for I'm sure folks that are listening, to change is a very somatic experience, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, un- it's often uncomfortable. It's l- not just an idea. It's literally in our bodies. So she worked it and she worked it and she worked it. And then we had a team meeting where we were doing work on the team. And then this moment of pressure came and she went to open her mouth and the whole team kind of looked at her and then she caught herself and she said, she sat back and she said, oh, I want to learn more about that. I want to hear more about that. And everyone laughed. And they're like, oh, you're doing your work. Good job. Good job. And, but, the, but there's one more part to the story, which gets to somatics and why somatic coaching is mm. she kept working it. And she ended up doing some work around the ways that driving was really um, in her family. That was what took care of safety. And, and eventually, about three or four months later, we did the same meeting with a group. And I was with a new coach on my teaching team and the coach assessed her as being a generative and collaborative leader. Mm. Like that's actually just who she was. Mm. She had just kept working it and working it and working it. And that's who she became so that Mm. under pressure, she showed up that way. So we can break that all down into how that actually happens, but that's, that's the essence of somatic coaching and the body transformation is, it becomes who you are over time. And then you go on to the next thing. Yeah. Lovely. I love that story. And, and yeah, let's, let's unpack that work. You know, when you say working it, um, you know, there's probably many, many parts to that. I'm wondering, like, maybe we could sketch out that arc, you know, like how do you, how did you start to help her see that condition tendency? Yeah. Oh, this would be, we could, you and I could go for an hour here, you know, hours here, I'm sure. <laughs> Because it'd be fun to also know you and I, I think, are getting together with maps right now. Mm-hmm. And it'd be so fun to hear, okay, well, how would you think of that map? Like, what's your arc and all the different maps that you've brought in with Coaches Rising? You know, it's pretty mm-hmm. cool to think about how we, what's our, what's our theory of change here? Yeah. I'll give you somatics and then you can tell me what you think. Yeah. And we'll be doing this actually for the session, the, all the embodied transformation work, we're going to be going through an arc session by session. We have this arc of transformation, we call it. Mm. And there's about six, there's five spots, but really six. And we'll be going through this whole arc session by session. So I'll give you an overview, but just so folks know, we'll actually break it down each, right. each session. Yeah. The, the first thing we always do inside of somatic coaching 
is to ask people what they care about. It's, it's always our first question. You know, really, really, what are you up for right now? What in your life, what's coming to the surface? What, what do you want to leverage your courage towards? And at the deepest level, mm -hmm. what do you not want to die having not done? Mm -hmm. You know, it's just so really, really like what, which is such a, you know, I mean, I can feel with you, just such an intimate question. Yeah. You know? yeah. And that we don't assume we know which I think as coaches is so humbling. I don't know if you find this, like I, I, there's just no, there's, a, there's maybe we have a map, but we don't know these people come in mm. Mm. and we get to ask them like, what are you up for? What do you really want? And some people it's about intimacy or and some people it's about uh, wanting to, you know, get a promotion. Like we never really know. So I want to pause for a sec on that. Actually, that's, that's the first circle as we talk about these things, something called commitments. Yeah. Is what do you care about? What are you committed to? And what's your true north? And how would you know that you got there? Right. That, these are all questions we ask as coaches. Like, how would you know you got there? What would be different in your life? What would people say about you? And, and we'd spend a whole session and, or more just there, like setting the coordinates. And that's really the first place we go. How does that, does that align with your approach to coaching? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think yeah. that's a, of course, it's a really important question in the beginning of all, all coaching is, is like, what's, what's the journey you're on? You know, what, what, I love the way you put it. It's very powerful. It's like, if you were to give that thing or create that thing or be that thing that, you know, on your deathbed, you just felt like I lived a life worth living. What is that? What's calling you? Yeah. And because um, that points to the, the journey you know, and I think then that can start to reveal both uh, the resources you have right now that can take you there and maybe the ways you're, you're getting in your own way in terms of that. And maybe so that comes back to this conditioned tendency. And, but this word commitment stands out for me. I, I, could you say a little bit more about what you mean by the commitment that you're pulling out or uncovering? For sure. So one of the, there's a lot of different streams that fed into the somatic coaching work that we've been doing for about 35 years now. And one of them was um, uh, uh, being able to work with speech acts, speech acts. And mm. we talk about, well, what, what does it mean when someone aligns their, their language with their embodiment? And we've, so the way we talk about it in the work, so the, the commitment is someone saying what you just said so beautifully is here's where I'm, here's what I'm up to. Here's what I'm up to. If anyone asks them in coaching, it's like, Oh, Hey, you're going to coaching. Uh, cool. How's that going? What are you doing? That they know like, this is what I'm working on. And I'm becoming this kind of leader. I'm becoming this kind of person. And what we've noticed, and I've seen this over years is that, that is a profoundly somatic or embodied experience. Mm -hmm. Like, how do we know that that's what we care about? You know what I mean? Like, what is it that lights us up? And it's, it's not just that it's a top down. Oh, I think this is what, no, well, sometimes we have that, like, Oh, I should do a B C D versus really, really like what gets your, what opens your heart? What has energy course through you? Like it's a, whatever's coming to life is a, is a somatic 
Yeah. By, by somatic mean embodied experience, you know? Yeah. So that's what we do. We help people. The first session I'll be doing is on developing somatic awareness. And that's huge. It's not just, just feel your body. We need to actually keep, give them some, give folks some nuanced work and we drop them in. We ask them these questions, but really the commitment is people figuring out what they're aiming for. And then the language that we actually use is I am a commitment to. Mm. So um, I'll give you mine right now. Here's one that I'm working on. So my commitment right now is I am a commitment to being a bold and accountable leader while keeping love and relationship at the center of my life. So, and I, and why that matters to me is I'm really busy and things are exciting, but at the end of the day, I don't want to be, I want love to still be in my life and I don't want to just be busy for the next five years and, and not look back. And that's taking work. I can get swept away. So I, I say that that commitment, um, that's what I'm working. And the reason we say I'm a commitment to versus I'm committed to is that we're working with people to help them actually be it. Like I, I am a commitment to, I am this. And that's, that's a starting point for a lot of the work that we're up to. Can I ask a question about that? Yeah. Cause um, presumably then some people may um, clarify in words what they're a commitment to. Um, and is it then that, that as the coach, you're, um, you know, helping them really drop into saying that and feeling the truth of it in their, their body, you know, in their being? Or is it that, you know, some people I imagine might say, well, I'm a commitment to this, but actually when I say that, it, uh, you know, I feel a lot of uh, discomfort or I feel, yeah. you know, so maybe you could say something about that. Yeah, it's a great question. It, it circles right back to where we started, mm. which is the sweet spot. And we want to help people find the, the stretch at the edge on their horizon that makes them feel uncomfortable, but doesn't make them feel frozen. Right. And really, you know, that helps them go, Ugh, that yeah. when they say, yeah, they say it and they go, God, can I? I'm a little bit, that makes me feel a little nauseated or whatever, you know, whatever, just that stretch. Someone who I work with a client who said, I am a commitment to um, revealing what I care about inside of my intimate relationships. And that for them was a, it was a big stretch, but it was manageable. They had been really working towards it. And so does that answer your question? Yeah. 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 Just to say that, like, that's why I like, you said these speech acts, it's like speech is such an embodied um, function of being a human being. And it reveals so much. Um, about who we are, you know, and yeah. there's saying the commitment to you, my coach, but they're saying that there's then maybe speaking that commitment to uh, the people in the world or the loved one in my life, loved ones in my life. And then there's, then there's living in alignment with that commitment. That's such a rich terrain. So I find it too. And it, as a coach, it's pretty amazing if you start working with this languaging around commitments is you can really hear a lot when you hear people say their commitment and what you just said around congruence. Cause some people will say it and you can see they're right at their edge, like literally their body, you know, they might be shaking or fidgeting or does it galvanize them? So it can be actually a really fun place of inquiry as a coach to just have someone practicing it. And yeah, what you said, they don't just, 
they're not just saying it internally, but they can say it to also, they can go home to a partner and they can say, this is what I'm working on. Can you help me? I want you to know this is what I care about. And you can enlist people. And it's such a, it's such an important thing. Can I say one more thing here that I think is useful is one of the, I think one of the ways somatics can be misunderstood is just sort of like a body add on to coaching. And I, I think of it more like a path. So for example, when we do, we will do a centering practice. We'll do this on all the different modules, but centering is this really foundational practice instead of coaching to help, to help people feel their bodies. And we, we organize ourselves in these different dimensions around length, width, depth. Like really it's a way to help people gain somatic competence. Mm. But the last part of centering is that we, we have people actually say their commitment to themselves internally and then let that shape them. So for example, my commitment, when I say that to myself, usually my chest opens up a little bit and I go, okay, what do, and usually I have to, I know that I have to call a friend, like I should reach out and, mm. And the reason I say that is if we're not working with commitments inside of coaching, I think it just, and we're doing somatic work, it just becomes gymnastics. Mm. Like people think, well, okay, I, ha- I should be a certain way. My body language conveys a lot. So let me stand up straight. Let me, you know, try to be a powerful, but if it's not connected into what we care about, then it's not like we're not watering the plant. Mm. It, that's what we're doing in this work is we're, we're com- connecting somatic intelligence but what what with what clients care about so it's not just we're not just trying to be the perfect bodies because that's boring yeah yeah i mean there's quite a lot of neuroscience research around learning accelerated learning in that way i think isn't there you know connecting the learning you're doing to what you care about and how that you know can accelerate this process of transformation it's, it's absolutely the punchline of, the whole, of all of our work is mm. learning that the, when we're doing actions and behavior, when we're, when we're actually in practice, feeling ourselves connected to a commitment, that's what starts to create new neural pathways in, in our brain. And so that's, it's been, we could, you, you, and I, you and I could have a whole, I'm happy to jump into that if you want to, but it's such an important part. And we'll be spending a couple modules talking about neuroscience. I'll be getting to do that one time too. Yeah, there's just something, you know, it comes back to that sweet spot again, I think of, um, and I don't, this is a mystery to me in some ways, but it's like that we've been designed as these human beings that we are, that when we connect to that thing that we care about, that it evokes something inside of us, it brings something alive inside of us, and that that's palpable, and I find that, um you know, that's, there's something, and I'm maybe even a bit divine about that because, you know, we're not, yeah, that we, I don't, I don't know if other creatures do that, but we certainly do. And there's something very magical about that. Oh man, I agree. And, and I, I think this gets what you said about spiritual or, or it's, it's quite, what, what is that? Like, what mm. is that thing happening? What is the, what's in our DNA that has us light up around purpose and path Mm. and how can we with clients how can we tie in with that i mean um one question a a teacher of mine named brian swim who's an evolutionary Mm. physicist he's yeah i've heard of him yeah yeah special guy and he 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 took he took uh, uh principles inside the cosmos around physics and really looked at it inside of humans and why is it 
why is it that we do what we do? And one of the questions that he asked is, why is it that we grew eyes? Like what, what want something in life wanted to see? Mm, like, right. like what is that <laughs> intelligence? You know, like who, what, what is the, what's the force that wanted to see itself? Mm. And, and then the eye being the most amazing technology and all that. So that's in some way, many ways, I think that's what we're trying to hook in with inside of somatic coaching is what wants to come to life in a much smaller scale, of course, or in eyes, but what in this person, in this human, in this beautiful mammal, what wants to come to form? And we talk about it like life moving towards life. Like how do we join with a bigger principle? Mm-hmm. And um, it's pretty exciting, I think, as coaches when we can tie into that. Have you found that in your coaching work? Mm-hmm. Like when you, you know yeah. when you're kind of in it, you know? And, yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally, totally. It's 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 just right back in that sweet spot uh, space again when someone connects to that, what the thing that wants to come through them and their eyes start to shine and there's a gravitas to whatever they're saying. And it doesn't need to be, you know, the, this huge thing that they want to change the world. It's just whatever is truthful to them. And then you feel it that it's palpable. You see it. So, so that's what it comes back to for me. And um, I guess I'm curious about, you know, that what comes next, you know, like, cause that, I guess in a way that you could play with that thing around living into that commitment um, all the way through the the this arc of transformation, but are you um, what are you like? What other things are you looking to do with your clients to help them reach this place where they want to go? Mm. That'll be such an important, such a great question. It'll be such an important part of our work because just because, as you're saying, just because someone has a commitment, that doesn't actually mean <laughs> that they can follow through on it good intention is great until, until have you heard this line? Um, I think it was Mike Tyson. I hope people don't mind me bringing in a box <laughs> metaphor where he said, everyone has a plan until you get punched in the face. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and it, I feel nice. like it's like that with our clients, you know, it's all good until it's not. And when you're seeing red and you know, life is happening. Mm. So this will get into a, a really important module inside mm. of somatic coaching which is what do we do inside of sessions? Like quite literally what, what does our sessions look like over an arc? Mm. And the, the word that we use here is, um, is practice. Mm. It's practice is what are the somatic practices that someone needs to be in to be able to, what we say, like fulfill on their commitment mm. or to be embodied. So let's go back. Oh, I'm gonna go back to the woman. I talked about earlier, the, mm. um, the CEO. So she, here's what she did. She sat meditation every morning for 10 to 15 minutes. And that was a foundational practice for her where she started to actually be able to notice what was happening moment to moment. So that was a practice that, that mm. she took on. One more practice that she took on was she really focused on feeling her back and her feet whenever she was in meetings. So when she was in meetings, all she wanted to do was really drive forward. Mm. And if in what she kept, she kept recentering and saying to herself, she'd go back and down, back and down. 
And so she was developing these practices. And in the sessions that I was doing with her, we would actually take these practices and slow them down. So we would, I would be sitting with her and I'd say, okay, well, what happens when you feel your back? And we'd explore that. We'll get into questions. And sometimes she couldn't feel it. So we actually would work with these different practices inside of sessions. Mm. And I just want to back up. There's one thing about practice I want to share is um, this hooks into the neuroscience. And what, we've, what studies tell us is mm. it takes between 300 and 3,000 repetitions before we can actually make different moves under pressure. So for those of folks that are listening that drive, you know, for the first 300 to 3,000 times that you're driving, especially if you're driving manual, you have to think about it, right? You're really like, okay, first, okay, break. And then at some point it's embodied. It becomes who you are. So the question that we're in with clients often is, what are the practices that you need to be in, which is going to keep steering you towards the thing that you care about? Mm -hmm. And we have a lot of conversations from there. So has, does that start to answer the question? Yeah, but, yeah. yeah nice, nice. Um, um, I, I want to ask you. Uh, I want to ask you about that more. But the first thing that comes up is, you know, you saw, you talked about being in the session with the client, and you know, you're slowing things down a little bit. Um, so, presumably, um, part of the shift is helping them become aware of this condition tendency you mentioned, yeah. and then and then learn to to shift into a new embodied uh, tendency or something. So, so um, maybe you could speak a bit more about, I'm I'm curious about how you are tracking and and in the moment, um, you know, relating to your client, perhaps you're saying things like, Hey, I noticed when you said that you, you, you're out, your shoulders were hunched over and you, you leant forward and, um, what do you notice when you do that, you know? And, and so are you moving between levels between, you know, like their emotional life and what they're thinking and, and body tendency and then helping them shift and do the same with a new space? Absolutely. I think what you just said about shifting levels is right on where we don't want to throw away conversation. It's really helpful to check, actually talk to people about what it is that matters to them and give them insights and help them really see the next, the next piece for them. But I think, yeah, as a somatic coach, we are constantly tracking nonverbal cues. And what we're doing around that, and we'll talk about this more in the sessions, is we're really giving people experiments. Mm. We're really offering them experiments to explore their psychobiology. So I'll give you an example. So the woman who I mentioned who said, I really want to work with intimacy. I really want to be able to be, I'm trying to think of the words. It was, um, if I don't remember the words right now, but it was basically being able to be closer and more intimate with her people in her life and her partner, especially. And, and to your point, what you said about condition tendency, we wanted to get clear on what's in the way of her getting to have that. But that's, that was really an opening question. Like, okay, so why, you know, what's, what, what, what do you find blocks you from that? Where are you stuck? Let's get curious about that. So um, as here's an experiment we did. I can do it with you a little bit on the phone, but I would actually be sitting with her and I'd turn my chair and I'd be sitting this way to her, you know, and I'd want, and I'd ask her, I just, just, okay, feel that. Just notice what happens in your body. 
And then I'd, we turned all these different ways. And then at some point I'd turn back into her. Like yeah. I'd tur- we, we'd turn it and we just noticed what happens. And one of the things that would happen for her when I was facing her is that her jaw would tighten and she'd stop breathing. Now I do want to name this as happening inside of a social context where I'm a man, she's a woman, we're in mm-hmm. a space. So there's good reason. And we, we will talk more about that, about how are we working social context as coaches mm-hmm. But she felt really safe with me. And she just noticed that when I turned towards her, her jaw would lock up. And I said, is that, I'd say, I said, great noticing. Fantastic. Does that feel familiar to you? And she said, totally. Yeah. And that's often the case. She said, you know, my husband comes home. He wants to have a moment where he wants to, you know, like a hug and just, how are you? And my jaw tightens. My jaw really tightens. So that was the, then that was her CT. Her CT was that when people wanted to connect with her, she often felt like they were going to demand something of her or she was going to have to give herself away. And so her jaw would tighten as a way to kind of pull back and keep her boundaries. And so it's, this is a huge conversation, but that was the entry point, Joel. That, mm. was, that was our, okay, so mm. what do you make of that? How is that? How were you shaped around that? Like the body, that's what we call bottom-up learning. Mm. where the body revealed what happens versus tell me about your family. Tell me about your dad. Tell me about your mom. We weren't asking questions about history. We were actually asking the body to see what happens under pressure. Mm. The last thing I'll say is, so what she did over time is she goes, Oh, okay. Well, my jaw tightens. That was smart. That was a very smart thing to do. We don't want to make that wrong. Mm. And what she did over time is she would actually notice when she was with her partner, that her jaw would tighten. And sometimes she'd just go, oh, let me see if I can relax my jaw and take a breath. And that was a big pivot for her. Mm. So that's, does that give, that's, that's kind of yeah. a sketch of how we're working with the body. And yeah. how does that track on how you work with yeah. body? Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. Um, what I um, often see is that it's often only in, they don't have to be dramatic shifts you know so you know like you might not even notice someone's jaw if it was tight and it softened you might notice that it feels different to be in connection with them when that happens um but that yeah then that creates a new sense of um possibility you know that that something new becomes possible once her jaw begins to soften it's amazing what becomes possible I mean, folks who are listening, you know, I mean, the jaw is one of the quickest ways mm. that we can shut down, tamp down emotion. And mm. so when someone actually just relaxes their jaw, a whole different world open, <laughs> often opens up for them. And I want to be clear too, I have clients who I, I, I suggest, hey, can you feel what's happening inside? And they go, I can't. Mm. I right. actually can't feel. I want to make room for that. And the question we have for clients when that happens is, do you know how that you, how you can't feel? Are you willing to get curious about how, not why, not why can't you feel? Cause we could talk about that, but more mm. how, mm. and that becomes a fascinating inquiry where people will go, wow, God, I don't know. And for some people they are leaving, they leave their bodies or they're dissociating or other people, mm. they're not breathing. So if they're willing to get curious about where they can or can't feel, it usually opens up a whole, whole inquiry for them. Right. So you, 
you can set a context for why it, it is important to include the body and the soma, which I think is more than the body in, in the coaching. And then you're also able to give them distinctions um, to be able to start to do that rather than just say, you know, like you said, at some point in our conversation, it's not just about going, well, feel the body, you know, tell me what right. you, there's, there's more to it than that. Which I think, Joel, this is the, this is the most important moment in somatic, in somatic coaching is to have people answer the question for themselves. Why feel mm. I've worked with, I've worked with folks who've been, you know, around business coaching folks that were really successful. And they said, me not feeling is actually very helpful for me because I can just power through my day. Mm-hmm. And so for them to answer the question, why I feel was really important. And the two, and I'll, I'll say this as a, so that your coaches know the, when some of the two main questions that we'll ask people is, okay. So for example, okay, you can't feel, or you don't feel so much. So what does that take care of for you? Mm-hmm. What does that take care of? And for this person I worked with, they said it takes care of the fact that I can work from seven to seven. I can do 12 hour days and power through. Mm -hmm. And that's really helpful for me. And then the second question is um, what's the cost of that? Mm -hmm. And that's why this person had come to coaching is this the cost is that I'm actually totally unhappy and Mm -hmm. I'm really disconnected from my body and the people that I love. So, you know, that became, that was the doorway for them is, I know what this takes care of. And there's also a big cost. My commitment is to becoming a more porous and sensitive leader who's balanced with work and my love life, something mm. like that. Mm. So that's the, that's the, those are some of the entry points. Mm. Um, just to pick up the point you said about practice, then people get a practice. They, um, I imagine that practice isn't, Maybe sometimes it is, but I imagine that mostly it come, it's emerging out of what you discover in the session rather than you, you know, coming with a handbook of practices that you can just give people. I mean, centering sounds like just a practice that everybody can do, and I've done that myself, and it's been profound, the impact that it's had. But, yeah, that these practices are emerging out of this discovery. Absolutely. And it's a, it's a, I'd say it's a combination of both of we have some standard practices that mm. folks who do the course, you'll just, you'll hear them all. Uh, centering is one. Um, we have a, a couple different practices that are in partner practices that we do with clients. So there are some practices which are standard. And then what you said, I just, that's where it gets it really alive. I think mm. I was working with someone a couple months ago who them feeling their feet on the ground was life-changing for them. And without getting into the whole story, um, they had never really chosen to be on this planet. Mm. There was a way that they just never felt here. And for good reason, which we talked about in the coaching. And so for them to just feel their feet and feel like, no, I'm, I'm here. I'm really, I'm choosing to be here in my life. It was very moving. It was really moving. And so that was their practice is they set an alarm in their phone and six times a day, they really focused on their feet. Mm. <laughs> and, and then we kept tying that into our sessions together. Okay. What's that opening up for you? What does that make possible? So yeah, totally to your point, it emerges mm. out of the work that we're doing with people. Well, 
and we haven't got long left and um you know this is we can have a whole uh we could probably speak for a long time about yeah. tra- trauma and um mindfulness and um you know because this is the book you brought out trauma sensitive mindfulness and i've been reading that's really cool um so so obviously we can't do that justice here i think i'd love to schedule another conversation with you when things yeah. calm down because i know you're you're busy promoting that and touring and stuff but um you know trauma shows up in coaching sessions you know so um maybe we could just set um you know how how do we know um when trauma may be being activated in a in a session like what are the signs that you can see in our clients and i wonder um what do we do then you know and again i know that's that's a that's a <laughs> very big topic but we could just touch into that happy to it's a great question um, I have a couple thoughts around that. I'd be curious for yours. Mm. One is, I think there's, at a really general level, I think coaches, those of us doing coaching, we sense when we're at the edge of our competence. Mm. You know, we can feel intuitively that someone is entering terrain that we might not be equipped to know what to do with and that that's totally okay. Like that there are people who say, hey, trauma is exactly where I want to focus and study, and we can refer to them. So I think that's one thing that I encourage coaches is just if, mm. to, to, to have a couple of trained trauma therapists in your, in your contacts that you know if someone all of a sudden is talking about having flashbacks or nightmares, or they're saying, I'm having these intrusive thoughts. I can't, it feels like I'm going to, I'm in danger. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's terrain where we want to, I think, in, it, we want to refer on, we want to encourage folks. And, and the way we can do that, it, it's, it's nuanced, and we can talk about that in the, um, in the modules. But I think it's something as simple as, you're doing amazing work. I'm here for you. I'm not going anywhere. I also think it would be really useful for you given the terrain you're in to be working with someone who's more specialized around traumatic stress. Cause we're in the deep end here with the work that we're doing. So I'm, I'm here for you and I would love you to talk to someone. Are you open to that? Like, I think there's ways that we can mm. not have people end up feeling like, Oh, I'm broken. <laughs> I can't, I can't do this. So some of the signs are, yeah, flashbacks. They're feeling really hyper aroused, meaning they have an exaggerated startle response, right? Uh, intense thoughts, intrusive thoughts they can't let go of, or they get super, super depressed or dissociated, meaning they can't feel their bodies Mm. or they're really checked out. So that's my first pass is we just sometimes, I think we know, and we need to be humble enough as coaches to just say, whoa, I actually don't know what to do here. Mm. Um, And not assume that we need to have, we can't have the answers to everything. Yeah. And, that's actually just the one other point I want to make here is trauma from all that I've learned. It's not just an intensely negative emotion. It's a really different ballpark. There's things happening at um, pretty, pretty ancient parts of the brain that create a real knot for people and just uh, doing, just doing coaching interventions is not often effective for people that are experiencing active, actively experiencing traumatic stress. Um, so I just think we just want to be humble as coaches, knowing that we may evoke trauma 
and that that actually might be great for them because then the next step is they work with a trauma therapist and then maybe they keep seeing us. Mm. That's actually good news. If Mm. someone is starting to have things kind of bubble up, we just want to be, I think, humble and cautious about what we do when people hit that edge because we can make things worse if we just tell people, yeah, just feel that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 It's funny. I had a client recently where that, that happened where I was like, okay, I think, uh, you know, from some of the things I'm seeing and hearing that there's some uh, stress and trauma that's being activated. So um, recommending them, uh, uh, somatic experiencing a yeah. practitioner, someone like that. Yeah. Um, and, and yet saying like, it's not like I'm just off. See you later. Um, I'm still here and we're still connecting, but that they're able to do that work with them. And I think that's really important. So I'm yeah, glad you that said that's the dream scenario. I think what you just mm. named is you both, and it can be a mutual inquiry. Mm. Of saying let's like I want to get you the support you need here so let's talk about it let's get a plan instead of feeling like oh god I'm ashamed that I can't hold their trauma or so I think that's fantastic what you're saying so just just in the last 30 seconds or so um well I'd love to know where we can discover more about your work too um you, yeah maybe you could yeah, share your website to. yeah yeah thanks for asking so uh, if I don't know if it will link to my name but if folks if it's all my name all one word so it's David Trelevin uh, T-R-E-L-E-A-V-E-N.com. Or you can type in trauma-sensitive mindfulness and you'll find me. But yeah, I'm focused these days on this intersection of mindfulness meditation and trauma. And the basic punchline is meditation can help or hinder people that have experienced trauma. So I'm interested in really looking at what a trauma-informed framework would look like for um, people that are interested in mindfulness and meditation. And folks are willing to write me directly or my teaching schedule. I'll be all over the place the next, um, the indefinite future. So <laughs> people can, uh, can find me there and um, please hit me up. Let me know what you think of the work. Cool. And what, one last thing. I mean, you've yeah. spoken, um, you've referred to what you've been teaching in uh, the power of embodied transformation um, is there anything else that you've not mentioned that just you could say, hey, I'm going to be teaching this too, um, that, yeah, that comes to uh, mind? Yeah. Uh, well, I'm, well, first of all, I'm so fired up about the course because basically the most senior teachers inside of Strozzi, including the founder, Richard Strozzi Heckler, we're going to be leading folks through an, a multi-session arc. And each of us are kind of taking our strongest where we feel most home in our wheelhouse. So we're going to hit these different points around an arc. So I'm, I'm incredibly excited about that work. Nice. Hey, David, it's been great. I really enjoyed this conversation today. Um, Thanks for um, just being willing to play. And I I really like your collaborative style. I think, you know, this has been a lot of fun for me. So I think the coaches listening are going to get a ton of value from this conversation. Thanks, Joel. Yeah, I can't wait. It was really, really great to talk to you.